we are committed to creating a safe and supportive space for our guests and listeners, and to provide information and tools that will help our listeners understand, manage, and overcome trauma. We understand that the healing journey can bring up challenging emotions. Therefore, we want to warn our audience that certain episodes may contain discussions or stories that could be triggering for some individuals. The content of the podcast is for educational and informative purposes only, and we encourage you to practice self-care and discretion while listening, and to reach out to a trusted support system or professional if you feel overwhelmed and need help on your healing journey. So there's like several things that I wrote down out of this book. Um, It was defining love, defining belonging, but then also like she described, and for anybody listening, in case if you hear this part, uh, the book is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And the third thing was her kind of describing what it means to practice self-love. Not Mm. how it looks like, but what it kind of practicing it. And from things that I read, um, the way I read now, I don't read as much or as fast, but what I do read, I kind of internalize. And Mm -hmm. through reading something, I look at questions that I can ask myself to answer. Um, There's an interesting conclusion that I got to is that not only I don't really practice self-love, but I also don't practice as much self-care. And I was like, well, I wasn't surprised, actually. I was like, yeah, it actually makes sense. But it was really interesting realization. Yeah, I was going to say you weren't aware. You you weren't aware to the depth until now. Yeah, but, but, and actually I can read it now because uh, it's it's kind of relevant to what we're going to be talking about. Um, So practicing self-love means learning how to trust ourselves, to treat ourselves with respect, and to be kind and affectionate towards ourselves. So from reading this, I came up with like three questions. Do I trust myself? That's the first one. Second one is, do I treat myself with respect? And third one was, am I kind and affectionate towards myself? Which I would invite everybody to answer those questions. Because I think a lot of times we think about self-love, which is part of relationship with self, as really one dimensional. Mm -hmm. That is just this like one thing. Do I show um, some care, some like compassion towards myself, stuff like that. Which with this question, my answer was like, was like, pretty hard no (laughs) yeah but the rest of the two with trust um my friend gave me a really interesting answer she's like you kind of do and you don't i'm like huh okay can you explain (laughs) Explain. (laughs) and she was like you trust yourself intellectually when it comes to everything when it stuff like that which is true but she was like i don't think you trust yourself fully emotionally and i was like huh interesting i think that's what i work with too yeah. And I was like, wow, it actually makes sense because it I, does. I could see that. Um, and respect that that's a yes. Like I, I know that I respect myself and um, yeah, but I didn't, there was a time when I didn't. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's still room for improvement for me, but I've come a long way. I've yeah. come a long way. And so much of that and I think I I mentioned this to you before that I recognized one of the voices in my head and it was my mom and there was no respect, you know, it was so hard on myself. And so there was no respect there. Yeah. But I've definitely come a long, long way. 
Yeah. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about a relationship with self. That's what we're talking about today. Um, which was, that was, that was really good. And, yeah. and I love those questions and I actually answered them in my head. Um, what were your answers? Well, my answer first, when it came to the first one, the trust was yeah. yes. Um, because, and there was a time that I, I trusted myself. I just didn't listen to myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I have the same, you know what I mean? Like, I know what the answer is, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this thing over here and I'm wrong. It ends up blowing up in my face every time. So there was a time in my life and it was when I was going through my divorce where, um, I, I really began to question myself and my, and I didn't trust myself at all. And that was really unsettling. And that was like, I was like that for quite some time, quite some time where I didn't trust myself. Maybe staying with the trust. Because that's an important one. And mm-hmm. I know that there was a time when I didn't trust myself and the level of trust that I have in myself, which is so strong, actually, even, even like when it comes to making certain decisions, I don't question myself. I make decision and and that's it, regardless of what's the outcome. And I know that big part of that is that, is that relationship with myself because, and this is something that I understood when, I was thinking about ability to adapt, which a lot of times it's it's a struggle to a lot of people. And I have shared this with you as well, where that ability to adapt or be okay um, when some things are changing or shifting, which is inevitable, mm-hmm. it comes from, especially with making decisions in, in this case. So if I believe in myself, or I can make decisions better if I believe that whatever will be the outcome, whether it's good or bad of making that decision, I will find a way. I will, I'll be fine. Um, or that sense of like, I got it. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times we're afraid to make that whatever is decision, the bigger decision, the harder it fails. Um, we have this fear of but what happens if I make this decision and this goes wrong? Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes us not to make that decision or to avoid making that decision. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that I have noticed over the years, I have less, if any, of that fear because I have stronger relationship with myself and trust in myself that whatever is the outcome of that decision, I'll be fine. I'll find a way. Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. It's like, I have myself. I got it. Um, but maybe speaking from your perspective, um, what helped you maybe to build that trust or trust yourself more? So it, 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 I'll tell you where it came from. It came from when I started to get to know myself, which was about two or three years after that kind of realization. And as I began to know myself and get to know myself, it, it helped me to trust myself. I don't, I don't know exactly what the connection was per se, but it really linked with me having that moment where I decided I was going to get to know myself. Cause I didn't know who I was. Mm. I hit that wall. And that's a scary and place to be. It is, it is, it is. And, and it was, it was, I don't know who I am. Do you know and what I didn't know what to I realize it? Uh, my husband, <laughs> Okay, he's the one. Cause I said that to him. It, it was, it, the story went, it was the day after Corey got married, my son. And I was super happy for him getting married, super happy. But something happened in me when I walked back into the house the next day and, 
and I didn't know, I, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, my husband did, cause he kind of went through the same thing, but, um, it, I just remember laying there on the bed and crying and not knowing like I wasn't really a mom the same way. I wasn't a wife. I, I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I wanted. I I was completely lost. And I, and then that was my reality. That is, that was my awakening really. Yeah. And, and my husband just looked at me and said, well, let's go discover her. Let's go discover Lisa. And that's the journey we've been on. And as I got to know myself and, and really, you know, the reality of the things that I really like and don't like and what is acceptable and isn't, I began to trust myself. Hmm. And now I trust myself and I'm at that place like you are, you know, I, yes, I, when I, I, I take my decisions seriously, but I don't let them paralyze me anymore to on the outcome, on yeah. the possibility of the outcome being wrong, you know, or cause I just look at it now, like, okay, I I've prepared for this decision. I feel like this is the right decision and I'm going to move forward. And if it's not, the door is going to get shut or I'm going to learn something from it. Or I'm, I, if I have to recover from it, I don't want to recover from anything, but I can, cause I've done it so many times in my life. I've proven that self that, that you, to me. Do you still have, because I'm now thinking when I make decisions, I actually don't have and if I do, it's not as strong that thought of like, what if this happens? And I think it's one of the things that when we don't have that self-trust, that voice is actually much louder because maybe we don't believe in ourselves to make the mm -hmm. right decision. And mm -hmm. one of the things that helps actually is um, to go through enough shit storms. <laughs> Where, <laughs> so true <laughs> where you make decision and it actually doesn't go the way you wanted it to go but somehow you still find a way to get out and if you do it enough times which i have done plenty of times Me too. um you you start to see that well regardless of the outcome we would want to have the positive one but even if the negative happens we will probably be fine we, we will find a way and sometimes that, and it, it's it's the same with confidence because to some extent, trusting yourself is confidence in yourself to make the right decisions or do the right thing and stuff like that. Confidence comes from pretty much like when one way to build it is actually you do what you say you're going to do, but you just, you just have to give yourself enough reason to believe in yourself. And I think it's the same with trust, similar to like somebody else building a relationship with them um, you won't trust them like straight away. Um, you with some, yeah. Let's say <laughs> they, need you earn, they need to earn their trust. You, you know, your exactly. trust. Mm -hmm. And I feel yeah. like it's the same with relationship with ourselves. We actually have to earn our own trust. <laughs> I like you know? that. But, but that's what yeah, it is. It's you know? true. Um, because I didn't trust myself initially, and then I started to make no. decisions, and I'm like, oh, this is bad one. And I'll beat myself off being like, oh, shit. Um, but then yep. I started to rise from those bad decisions and analyze them and see what can I change going mm -hmm. next time in even, even like similar situation or something like that, where I slowly started to build that trust in myself and even started to yeah, trust more in myself of making the right decision for me in that moment based on where I was at that time, because mm -hmm. some decisions that I made some years ago, I might look back and I'd be like, well, if I was there now, I would make different decision, but I wasn't the person I am today then. So I made decision that at the time 
made sense to me. Um, but I won't, I would make it now. And I think that's that self-trust big part of it is that you actually build it with yourself like you would with somebody else. Yeah. You prove to yourself that you're trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you do. And, you know, and, 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 you know, you asked, you asked a question. It was a really good one. You know, do I still hear that voice and you know, what could go wrong? And it, and it, and it is still there, but I, I respond to it differently where before I'd be like, Oh God, okay, wait a minute. Let me, let me think about this, you know, and really, and, and go to the worst case scenario. And then all of a sudden go, oh, okay, I, I can't do this. Now what I do is I use it as a, a little cautionary of do some forward thinking you know, okay, if I make this decision, what are the possibilities? Just, you know, take it out to a certain point, but not let it paralyze me. Cause that's part of my research that I do. And when I make a decision, because I used to be impulsive and I used to make my decisions based on my emotion and feelings at that moment, which there was a lot of cleanup from that. Yeah. And I don't want to, I want to avoid that as much as possible, but I don't want to take it to the point that I'm paralyzing myself and not making a decision. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of use that as one of my little research tools. Let me take this out. Let me, let me forward think this a little bit and what comes of that. So that's what I use it for. I don't let it paralyze me like it used to. Yeah. And I think even if it takes you to the worst case scenario, I think because you have that self-trust, which in, it is affected by your confidence in yourself as well. Even mm -hmm. with that, now that you see that worst case scenario, you might be like, I probably still can deal with that. You know, because you have that confidence in yourself. Yeah, even with, I don't want to, but I yeah. can. And and that also makes it more likely to make that decision because you know that it could go wrong. Well, I think initially we're quite naive and we don't think that anything can go wrong. <laughs> um, That's the impulse that I used to have. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that I still have impulses like that. But I think that when things go wrong or, or stuff like that, um, it doesn't maybe like rock my boat as much. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I'm instantly kind of observing the situation being like, okay, what can I do? How can I adapt? What can I change? And I think big part of that also is um, not making it mean anything about me or the way I am or, or stuff like that. Mm, because, yeah. okay, this just happened. Maybe I failed, whatever. Um but you're not a failure. Exactly. The, I don't make it mean was... that I'm now a failure and stuff like that. Right. It's like, I tried, I failed. That's what happened. That's it. I don't make it mean anything. I'm like, okay, what can I do to now adjust or change or do it better the next time? Or if I choose to do it next time, because a lot of times, one of the things that we do is we, we try it for the first time and then we're like, oh, this didn't work. It's like, it's your first attempt. You'll go try again, <laughs> learn from it and then go try again. Do um, it better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Trust. What about respect? Self-respect. Oh, how would you uh, describe you know, it? Um, you know, it's kind of like how you respect others. I mean, how do you treat them? How are you kind to them? You know, do you give them space? Do you give them room? Do you honor them? Do you care for them? Do you protect them? I mean, all those kind of fit into the respect, in my opinion. Because when I think of, you know, when I think of somebody that I respect, um, I, I don't want to do anything purposely to hurt them, of course. Uh, I want to honor them. I want to support them and encourage them. And, you know, it's it's just kind of a the way I see it. What about you? Okay, I found definition. 
I knew you were doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were doing that. (laughs) Um, So respect is a, well, I have two definitions. Um, One is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Ooh. Um, So that could be you admiring your abilities, qualities, and achievements, which I don't think many of us do. Um, no, maybe don't even recognize them. Yeah, I know. I definitely have been in the past. Now a bit less. I start to acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I definitely like all the awesome things that I was doing. Didn't see them. I would yeah. just see one thing that I was doing wrong. Yeah. Um. Second one is due regard for the feelings, wishes, or rights of others. Similar to what you said, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now shifting it towards you, do regards for your feelings, your wishes, or rights. Yeah, or your rights. Well, and I go back with me, you know, no, I did not respect myself at all. Yeah, same. Not at all. And and so much of it was the voice in my head. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I had to learn how to respect. And it's weird because I could do it in parts of my life towards others. Um, I know I was not as successful (laughs) as I am now, but towards myself, I absolutely had no respect. And now I definitely have a lot more respect. There's still definitely room for improvement because I do catch myself sometimes going there. And a lot of it is just the thoughts in my head. I don't physically do the disrespect anymore like I used to. Um, But the, the thoughts still come in my head and sometimes I'll be hard on myself about stuff and get, I can get kind of vicious. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think this one is related to the third one, which is being kind and affectionate towards yourself. So like maybe like showing compassion towards yourself. Right. When you respect yourself, when you respect someone, you give them compassion, you give them empathy, you are kind to them. That's, that's, that's what you're, you know, focusing on. Yeah. Because you don't want to do the other stuff to them. So what about you? With respect, I don't know. It's it's even like understanding what exactly it is, how exactly to describe it. I just know that I didn't have it. And now I definitely have it. I do respect myself as a person, um, who I am, what I stand for, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I think even like, I think one of the ways how I might be showing myself respect is something that I didn't do before is starting to hold myself to certain standards mm-hmm. before I would kind of have them but I wouldn't hold myself accountable <laughs> yes um, yes mm-hmm. but now it's more of even even like being respectful towards myself enough to have hard conversations with myself not beating myself up yes that's but- a big one that's a really good one because you can have you can have a conversation with yourself about something that maybe you need to change or correct or, you know, something that went sideways and not beat yourself up. Yeah. And I think that is similar to that idea of not making it mean something. I do something wrong. And my usual pattern would be like beating myself up. Oh, how could you do that? You should have done, yep. known all this kind of stuff. Um, or I would just make it mean something about me. Like when I fail, I'm a failure or, or stuff like that. Right. Um, now it's more of like just... 
well one one thing is like keeping myself a certain like standard of keep, be, keeping myself accountable but not like beating myself up or even like looking down on myself it's just about having honest conversations of even like this past weekend when I was like doing journaling on like self-love self-care um I would be like coming to realization that oh actually I'm not showing myself that much like self-love and self-care before I'd be like oh my gosh like I'm the, 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 you kind of yeah, like I that. how to, could I not see that yeah or even like go into like some victim mode being like oh my gosh I'm like this because of the blah, blah, blah. and you know like yeah. coming up with those stories now I it didn't even trigger me I was like actually it makes sense like <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing surprising about it and I was even able to have a laugh about it being like of course like <laughs> okay now what do I do to fix this you know how how can I correct this and not even like fix it because I don't think there's anything to fix it's just that even awareness itself which is another thing that I was thinking about why how do you show yourself love and how do you show yourself care because for me I am not drawn to like bubble baths (laughs) and stuff like that (laughs) and and that's something that I think also is it's really kind of subjective. Um, but I remember one day when I was in the gym, um, and I didn't I really didn't want to do that gym that day. I was like, oh, so this is self-love. It's it's also doing doing things for yourself that you don't want to do or maybe you <laughs> feel like doing that's good for you. Yeah, exactly. And and that's where I start to kind of it's a it's kind of like a mind twist. Because I might show self-love or self-care to myself differently. Like right now, mm-hmm. I'm literally like this weekend, I was thinking how I will do my workouts. Um, plus, get to my cold like winter swim spot, which takes me like total getting there, doing the swim and coming back. It'll be like two hours every day. Oh, wow. That's a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like, that's me showing love to myself, mm-hmm. finding time, committing to that, and doing something that I know that not only benefits me, but I love to do that. It literally makes me feel alive. It's it's one of the things where I have learned so many life lessons in that cold, suffering. Whereas for somebody else, that might be like, do you hate yourself? What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, you and know? share with the audience what it is you do, because they may not, they, you know, they're oh. getting a little hint of what it is you do, but it's a big one um with the swims yes um, so they can get a real good idea of what you're talking about because you're just talking about swim but it's more than a swim yeah it's more than just jumping in and out of cold yeah water. um yeah well part of it is like you voluntarily put yourself in a comfortable situation which by default helps you to prepare for life um because there will be situations that are like uncomfortable you don't like them um or you can't control conditions. I can't control how cold it is. I can't control how much pain I feel because there's a lot of pain involved there as well, um, which also is part of life, that like suffering piece. Um, and one of the ways how I look at it is me preparing myself for life with that like hard things that can come my way. Um, and you kind of build your mental muscle because every day you make that decision so uncomfortably, pretty much like be uncomfortable. But another thing, which seems like kind of the opposite of that, like suffering, pain, and like seemingly negative is 
self-control and being at peace. So mm -hmm. even when all this craziness and discomfort is happening, I'm still, I can't really stay long until or unless I'm in charge in myself, I'm in control. And one of the ways how I do that is through breathing. And that's um, usually I explain to people that cold exposure doesn't have to be just like winter swims, any kind of cold exposure. It's like a shortcut to what meditation is about, which is being present. <laughs> because yeah. once we're in the cold, you don't think about anything else. You're you're present until you get more maybe comfortable with it. But even then, usually I'm I'm so much I'm so present that I just focus on breathing. Like initially first few breaths are for me to calm myself down or like my nervous system. But then I'm just the whole time I'm present in my body and I literally work on making myself feel warm in that cold environment, which is purely the the power of your mind. Uh, yeah, um, completely. Because it is not, because and what the, what the audience doesn't realize is that you do cold <laughs> plunges in rivers, right? Yeah. Or in lakes, rivers, and the, there's like snow outdoors. on the ground. Like you're having to shovel the snow to get to the river, punch a hole in the, if you're in a <laughs> lake or whatever, and then you get into this. So how cold is the water when you do this? So I know in Celsius, degrees Celsius. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. But let's let me translate it to Fahrenheit. Um, it's crazy, and you've been doing this for a while, and you and you, and it is. Absolutely... I don't see myself stopping to do it. But right. The, the thing about it is, it doesn't get easier. It's not like now I'm like, yay, let's do it. It's super easy. Like it's still hard. It's not. It's not like it's getting right. So it's like it's thirty two. It's like zero degrees Celsius and like thirty two Fahrenheit. Um, cold. That's freezing. But, <laughs> but the coldest that I had was like minus two because there's some stream in the river. Um, and that's like 30 uh Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um but the coldest uh out the the air temperature was 3.2 Fahrenheit. Why is it 3.2, not like three? I know <laughs> how funny. It's very uh -oh. very precise. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's yeah it's it's not just there's there's like plenty of health benefits but it wasn't what kept me going <laughs> i was like i want to do this for like inflammation or like brown fat cells um it's not what kept me going it's part of it i think that the biggest piece that kept me going was that self-discovery that you go through um yeah that's true that's a big one i'm yeah, sure because, you discover a lot about yourself when you're sitting in that 32 degree water <laughs> yeah because many times um and i experienced this with um tony robbins like firewalk many times we think that and this actually comes plays big role with self-relationship as well um many times we think we know ourselves or we we think we mm -hmm. know how we will behave in certain situations let's say high stress or high pressure or True. really uncomfortable unfamiliar situations we tell ourselves that we know how we're going to behave because we know ourselves, right? Oh. But we actually can't know until we are in that situation. And I, I call it being like, squeezed. I call it being squeezed. And you never yeah, exactly. know what's going to come out of you until you're squeezed. And it's so true. And I, I, I recognize that in myself. And it was crazy when the first time that happened. Yeah. And you can't 
control what comes out of you when you're squeezed until you have gone through enough situations that actually squeeze you where you can now practice your response. Correct. Well, initially be aware how you actually respond. Right. But then you just practice when you are in the situations. And and one of the ways how you can do that is to simulate or find um put yourself in in, a, in difficult situations where you're yeah. gonna have to get yeah, squeezed. There's, there's no way there's something that I when it comes to mental toughness, there's no way how you can be mentally tough if you don't do hard things. Like you're not going to be physically to strong without lifting weights, right? Exactly. And without working out, yeah, practicing. And, and you won't be patient until you do things that require patience. That's how you build anything, right? <laughs> it's like that with anything. But True. what we want to do is we want to, and it's, it's, it's really relevant to healing as well. We want to be healed without doing the work. We want to be tough without going through hardships or challenges. Um, we want to be patient without actually doing anything that requires patience. Mm-hmm. We just want to get results, but we don't want to go through that process. But that's where you actually get that result. And it's mm-hmm. like that with anything, even like relationships with, with ourselves. It's like we want to have strong relationship with ourselves, but we don't want to do things necessary to actually build that relationship. Similar to and relationship to ourselves is really similar to relationships to others. Yes, they're absolutely linked. And you can't have a good relationship with others without having a good relationship with yourself. And part of that is, you know, the lack of awareness too, of realizing, you know, and along the lines of, you know, the last two questions, what I was thinking too, was respecting yourself and being kind to yourself is also what also fits in that arena is how you allow people to treat you. Oh yeah. Boundaries, right? That's a whole discussion right there. Boundaries. So if you're allowing people to be disrespectful to you, you're being disrespectful to yourself. You're allowing that you do have the power. You do have the control and, and it's, it's a difficult one, especially for those of us who've gone through the childhood trauma and we've become people pleasers. That's a really hard one. You know, you don't want to turn people away and, you know, and, and, for me, it wasn't even, it was weird. It was kind of a weird awareness of, I was allowing people to mistreat me, but I didn't know what, how not to. What changed? Because that's something that I believe yeah, that's, yeah, many that's people are going through. What changed? Yeah. Um, it, again, it, it came with learning about myself. It came with becoming more aware of myself and, and going in and doing my healing and, and realizing, you know, I don't like the way I feel when I'm around these people. I became aware of that. Like I didn't, like I, I walked so much of my life without awareness. And once I became aware of, Ooh, gosh, when I'm around that person, I, you know, I don't feel very good, you know? And, and cause I would, some, so many of these people in my life, I would walk away and I would spend days beating myself up over this relationship, something they said to me. And as I got to know myself, and became aware of that feeling. And then I started analyzing the relationships and realized that I needed to do some house cleaning, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the people coming in that I allow in my life now, you know, I, that thing of they got to earn your trust. Cause I used to just automatically trust people, especially mm-hmm. if they're really nice to me. Oh, I trust you. Oh yeah. You're, you know, you're all in. I think and so now, one of the reasons for that could be because somebody might have this and I, I know I had it um, 
because I didn't really experience people really treating me nicely because I was somebody who was always helping everybody else. And I didn't believe that I deserved any help, yes. any support, anything like that. Whenever I would get something, I would now make this like this big thing being like, oh my gosh, they're so helpful. And it was literally like nothing. <laughs> it's so true. I was thinking about that recently. It's so funny you say that because that's exactly what I was thinking is, you know, in the day when I was so desperate to be loved, that if somebody showed me kindness, you know, because oh. you don't want to lose it. And, and I just oh, full on gave them my heart, full on gave them everything about me. And then would be surprised when I would get hurt. Cause I put this person up on a pedestal, you know, it was just this yep. whole dynamic that I did with myself. Oh, this person likes me. So I put this person up on a pedestal and, oh, finally someone likes me, <laughs> you know, and I kind of do a little worshiping kind of thing. And then they let me down because they're human. And then I take it so personal. It was just this weird dynamic cycle thing that I went through, you know, but I just full on just opened up myself up to everything. And now I, I'm more cautious and we all need to be that way. There are, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing out there. You do need to be careful. You need to be careful who you allow in your inner circle. They have to earn their way in. Especially if you're still going through healing um, and you are quite fragile. Yes. You, have you to be really careful. need to be careful of who you have around you and who speaks anything into your life, you know, and listen to what they're saying to you and how they're saying it. You know, how do you feel when they're saying this stuff to you? Does it check? This is where you start to trust yourself. This is one of the ways that you can start to trust yourself is have the self-awareness of looking at your friends and looking at, you know, it could even be family members because you may have to just yeah. set certain boundaries with them, you know, but for other people in your life, you may analyze this and realize, you know what? I can't have them in my life. They, they are not, they're toxic to me. I, I It's not a good fit. And that's, that's where you begin to trust yourself and you do, you know, you do need to have protection for yourself. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said that, I think you said that you started to respect yourself more when you started to get to know yourself more. How did you get to know yourself more? I started or, exploring okay, before you start that. Okay. How did you know that you didn't know yourself? Because I think that's where um, many of us might think that oh actually I know myself quite well like I have been yeah. me the whole life <laughs> you know um what made you I think you you kind of shared that story with like your um son's yeah. wedding was yeah. that the time or was there yeah, something else that was the time no that was okay. definitely the time and I don't know um <laughs> you know Larry saw it coming my husband saw it coming because he kind of went through the same thing um his is a little bit different um I, I don't know what like what snapped it just I, it happened literally when i walked in my front door and and there's just this weird feeling that i got when i walked in the front door and i'm like okay what's going on and i started feeling really sad and i was like what is going on like i started crying and the next thing i know my phone rings because larry at that time he had um he was running an errand and he was going to stop by the house and it was the weirdest thing he, he calls and he says are you okay no. And I just, I started crying. He's like, I'm on my way. <laughs> and so when he got to my house, I was laying on my bed, just laying, looking at the ceiling, you know, crying and trying to figure what is going on. And then that's when it hit. It's like, who am I? I don't even know who I am. You know, I don't know if the final straw was my son getting married and he didn't need his mom like he used to. I don't know what the click was. Um, I don't know if be. I'll ever know. 
It could be. I, I mean, that was the final times, piece. <clears throat> many times what we do is we attach attach our things to something external of what we do or who we are to our others. value. Exactly. So like being a mom or even like, um, it's, it's really common with athletes, like being this athlete, that's my identity. When it's gone, who am I? You yeah. Know? Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. And especially something that he's has been like big part of your life, like being a mom. Now he's gone and you're like, who am I? Like, yeah, because you would see yourself thing. as a mom, you know? Right. Cause I didn't, cause, cause for me, um, I wasn't a wife anymore. So I was a mom. Um, but the rest of my life, I never explored. I was always told what I liked and didn't like. And I had to, oh, okay. Oh, I, oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. No, I don't. And so, and it was, it's crazy. Like I, I love history. You know, there's, I love color. I mean, there's just like so many things that I had no idea that I loved. I love trees. I go nuts over trees. I mean, I knew I always loved trees, but like, it's so crazy now. Like they're, they give me energy. It's so funny, but you know, I don't know what exactly snapped, but it was definitely an awareness. Yeah. It was like, and I think many of us, we have to be careful of when somebody asks you like, who are you? You're like, oh, I am a coach. I am, you know, like they kind of start to say what you do, not necessarily who you are, but like what you do. And I think it's a tough one because it's, it's hard not to attach yourself to what you're doing. Um, Right. One thing that I noticed because we had to do like in when I was studying sports psychology, we had this one assignment about identities and um, athletes career like ending. And it was interesting because athletes who did not, they still were still were like top performers. It didn't affect their performance. It's just the way they were looking at it. Those who did attach their identity to I am this athlete. I am like, I don't know, um, basketball player. I was playing basketball. Um versus somebody who is like i am playing basketball it's one of the things that i do now that you your career ends especially if it ends like suddenly injury or something like that yeah all of a sudden part of your identity it's literally gone Mm -hmm. you can't be that anymore because it's it's gone you can't play anymore and it was really interesting because for me when I, i i never had it i don't know if there's anything that i would say that I am and I would attach what I do. It just has been like a, a struggle sometimes when people are like asking me about me and I'm like, I'm just me. Like, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no like one thing to describe me because there one reason is that I, there's so many things and so many interests, so, so many things that I do and so many interests that mm-hmm. I have that I don't see myself in like one box. Um, yeah. But also I feel like it's something that, I think once you kind of know yourself, which is still like a journey, I think it's always a journey. Yeah. Um, there's no like finish line. But I think the more you start to know yourself, the mess the less you feel like there's there's any kind of like one word or one definition or one kind of description of who you are other than like I'm me. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting because I don't have like some kind of external um things that I would attach who I am too or at least I don't try to um I have roles in my life yeah Yeah. but it's not who I am but at the same time it is like it's really interesting it's a part of you 
yeah exactly yeah. um but it's it's interesting how we even like form our identities because that's how we learn to know ourselves mm-hmm. who i am it is my identity and then mm-hmm. if part something that we might be attaching our identity to which is not like right or wrong it's just what is um when that is seemingly gone like in your case it's not like, it's not like you're not mom anymore <laughs> right i'm just it's but, just different it's just but different. it might seem like it because he's right. gone and yeah he's not living with me anymore yeah so he doesn't need you anymore so are you oh mom? you know right 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 <laughs> he doesn't need me the way he used to exactly and it's it's really interesting that 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 identity piece because that is part of that will our also affect relationship with ourselves because if you yeah let's say with career if you now identify as i don't know salesperson and you start to perform well how will you feel about yourself that yeah will are you keeping that in balance because that yeah you know the other identity that um especially a lot of childhood abuse or trauma people live with is the identity. And I did this for many years and didn't even really fully realize it that, um, I, I, I identified as I'm a childhood abuse survivor. And I still say that, but then it was, it was definitely my identity Mm. and everything that I thought about was around that. So like the you way look at I, the world through that prison. Totally, totally. And how, it was how 100% like? it, a victim mindset, totally victim mindset. And I've mentioned this before and it's so, I don't have shame around it anymore. Uh, I'm not proud of this, but um, the way I used to think, and it was definitely, I want to say in the back of my mind, it was, it was the thing that motivated me. It wasn't in the forefront of my mind where I remember processing it per se, but I definitely went into, especially if someone was beginning to kind of mistreat me or not be nice, I definitely had this thought in my head, well, they're supposed to be nice to me because I- I'm a childhood abuse victim. I was abused as a child. So, um, you know, I went through all this suffering. So everybody has to be nice to me now. I mean, that was 100%. You have like, because, like, because my life is worse than theirs or I am more hurt than they are. No, that never came into play. It was just, no, I have, I've had all this suffering and I've had all this abuse. And this is really in my young adult life um, that I just thought, okay, now it's time for everybody to be nice to me. (laughs) I'm tired of everybody being mean. I want people Mm. to be nice to me. That's really what it was. That's the first time that kind of came out. Were you nice to others? Uh, no, because I was a hot mess because I was yeah. in the victim mindset. So remember when you're, when you're in the victim mindset that I was in, I did nothing wrong. Oh yeah. Everybody else was wrong. But you know, like I this, was being picked on. This is a good example of our external world being mirrored to our internal world. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and and, if- and I, I felt like I was only going to be happy or comfortable or complete once everybody started being nice to me, but you know, I would mistreat people and not hold myself accountable at all. Well, if I, I, I wouldn't have done that if you would have just, isn't that like that. ironic how we do that? I know. And it was just, you know, and I know, like, I, I, I think back and like, one of the things that kind of fueled that with me is in my childhood, I was constantly criticized. So I couldn't mm. even take criticism. I couldn't even take constructive criticism. And yeah. I can remember back in my early, you know, work years, 
of my employer trying to just sit down and nicely tell me some things that needed to be corrected. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, they're being so mean. They're being so mean. like, I remember like leaning back in my chair going, oh my God, they're being so mean. They're saying this mean stuff about me. No, they were just trying to help me. But I was so in that, I mean, I think I was like 20, 21 at the time. And so I just, I, you know, and I had my, I had my abuse until I was 18 when I stopped the physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just was, that was so, I could not even take constructive criticism because I was never given constructive criticism as a child. It was, you should have known. How could you do that? You know, yeah, it was, nobody it was more teaching like, me and yeah. then criticizing me for making the poor choice. So you could see why my mindset was so stuck in that mode. And it, and you know, it kind of diluted over time, but it wasn't until I really took a deep dive into myself about 13 years ago and really started looking at myself. And and, and I think the thing that propelled me in that area was finally realizing that I had no control over anybody else or anything. I only had Mm -hmm. control over myself and it was frustrating and I was angry and I was empowered and I was relieved (laughs) all at once. It was all the emotions I went through. And it was then that I realized, okay, okay, so I can control this. I can't control that. So how do I control this? And that's what brought me in to start looking at myself and healing very deeply. And so what were some of the things of mindset? <clears throat> so what were some of the things that you were doing to build that that relationship? Um, first of all, taking time for myself. Hmm. Because I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was in a habit of keeping myself busy, 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 because then I didn't have to think. So the first thing I had to do is slow my life down and start saying no to stuff and start having time with myself and doing my reflecting. That was really the first thing. How was it at first? Uh, I hated it. I couldn't sit still. I literally would pace to get that energy. Oh, I was pacing. I did not like it. And and I had to build up the tolerance. If you if you would have to like explain the emotion that you would feel when you would have to like sit with yourself, what would it be like initially? Frustrating. And mm-hmm. I and 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 it would be frustrating um because I think at the time when I sat down and I would spend time with myself, it's like, okay, let's let's fix this. Okay, let's fix this. What do we do? What do we do? Oh. How do we fix this? Okay. Right. Like, like unsettling, like, Oh, very unsettling. So instead of just taking a breath and just not be in work mode, fix mode all the time and just kind of take things in. But that's where I was at. It was like, okay, how do I fix this? That's, that's where I was at first. How do I fix this? How do I change this? How do I make this better? Instead of just sitting with myself, instead of meditating and just having time for myself, give my brain a break. I was such a huge overthinker and I didn't even realize that until the last few years that I was, I, I didn't give my brain a break at all. If it, if it was quiet, Mm -hmm. I went and found something to make it work. So having a quiet mind, and that is definitely a process. And I'm still not, I'm not saying I can sit here for 30 minutes (laughs) with myself quiet. I'm just telling you, (laughs) um, not right now, (laughs) But, you know, I can sit with myself and, and you don't have that sense of like, kind of wanting to get out of that being like, kind of like an animal in a cage being like, okay, where's the exit? Where can I get out of 
like this kind of yeah. just sitting being here. You know, I I had a I had an aha moment this weekend and it was and it was because I sat with myself and analyzed something and it was funny because um you know, it's it's when you expect things from people and you don't express what you need and have a voice and, or what you desire and um you know, it was a, it was a holiday here in the States. And, and, um, you know, of course I reach out to family and stuff, but like, I was thinking about my grandson in Idaho and I was thinking, God, I didn't even get to see him. And, you know, and I, and I'm thinking, gosh, why didn't Corey and Denise, you know, call me in or set up something I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 stop. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I couldn't believe I, I caught myself going down that rabbit hole. And I did that with the other family too. And I'm like, you're not telling them what you want. You're expecting them to know what you want. And so um, I, I spoke with my son yesterday. I said, you know what, honey, let's, can we make a commitment with each other that on big holidays that we have zoom time? Cause I said, I want to see you. I want to spend time with Atticus and I miss that. And that's the best I can do right now. You know, I can't go up every holiday and visit them or they can't come no. down. So the best thing we can do is he's like, oh, mom, that's a great idea. See, I used to go down that route. Okay. I used to make a complete story out of this mess. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I would turn that into they're terrible. That's no, nah, I wouldn't go that far, but I would just, I, I wouldn't say they were terrible. Not they I would are, turn but it that's into, they terrible. didn't love me. They didn't care about oh, me yeah. enough. I, you know, it's just this whole value thing. And it's like, no, the simple answer is. They don't know what you want. You have got to express it. And Corey is very clear when he wants or doesn't want something. He's very clear with me. He has a voice and I love that. And what's wrong with saying what I said? I just, I want to see them on the holiday. Yeah. Instead of, oh, they're not, you know, they're not setting it up with me. Oh my goodness. No, they're busy <laughs> having a life. <laughs> you know <laughs> they're busy with a you know year that, and a half that's old. literally what it is like <laughs> that's really what it is because when I had the conversation with it, it was great I'm like oh mom I love that it's a great idea and imagine this is actually a really good example of when it comes to relationship with ourselves it's not just something that happens internally and now you kind of you have done the work in yourself you have a relationship with yourself and now it's done that's like phase one it's important phase but it's phase one but i think where we really start to build that relationship is when we are out in the real world and there are mm. things that can challenge that relationship and now we have to um adapt or apply certain tools to keep that relationship strong or strengthen it or or stuff like that because um there's um when i was at landmark they were talking about it there was one guy who was doing meditation all the time and he was like i don't see the point in like going out there and, and stuff like that and the teacher she was like meditation helps you to be in the moment in that moment where you don't have things around you to kind of test you or challenge you but the important piece is that that peace or that connection with yourself or being present that you might get from that meditation, but you can now transfer it to real life. That's mm -hmm. the important piece. Um, and I think many of us, we might even understand things about ourselves, but I don't want to say like it doesn't count, <laughs> but it's not 
full it hasn't gone the full circle where we actually understand ourselves or we can even improve that i don't want to say change that relationship but like improve that relationship with ourselves until we start to transfer that in our like real life so if you now become aware that oh like i i'm not setting boundaries it's good like that in itself huge awareness yeah but how do we translate that into reality that you're living in in real life because it's it's and i used to be stuck in that place of i i realized there isn't boundaries but i don't want to set them because yeah me too various reasons right mostly it's because if i set this if i set this boundary with this person then they might not like me anymore yeah they will ghost me they will like call me names they will They'll abandon me. Yeah, that was my story. Eggs at my car, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, which they might actually because yeah. we teach people how to treat ourselves. So if we are a people pleaser. Then somebody learns that well, like she's always there. She always say yes. So whenever I ask, she's always there. So mm-hmm. once I would start to set boundaries, people are like, "Are you mad?" Yeah, me, and I'm like, "No." Like, I just, I just don't have time or I don't want to do it. Or, well, usually with that setting boundary, initially you come up with some kind of story, right? Because you don't right. want to just say no. <laughs> that's yeah. not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you come up with a story. Um, but that's like, it helps initially, at least for yourself to justify to yourself why you can't do this um, or not to feel that guilt. But that's, I think, relationship to ourselves it's important when we are with ourselves, just by ourselves, because a lot of times we don't even do that. We don't find time with yeah. ourselves or we not don't find, but we don't want to find it. Um, or we can find 50 to... reasons not to find it. <laughs> and I struggled a lot with being alone because back in the day, it made me lonely. And being alone with myself meant that I might have to think. And, and you know, and what I would do instead, of, I would beat myself up, right? And now I'm not alone and I do love my alone time um, because it is my time for so many things. Yeah. Might even need it. Yes. I need it. I definitely need it. Yes, Absolutely. It's the way that it's one of the ways that I refuel myself really. Yeah, exactly. So like that time alone or just like with yourself, it is important, but if we stop at that and now yeah, we go out in the the real life with other people involved, and we kind of forget about it, or we don't actually set those boundaries or say those things, um, stuff like that, or even like behave certain way or make those decisions. Then we just keep living in that in our heads, and nothing changes. It's a cycle. It and- becomes a cycle. And you can, and I have gone through this, you feel really stuck and frustrated because- Oh, it's very frustrating. And you can sit back and literally see it coming. You can almost predict it. You can sit back and watch that cycle happen. Not almost, precisely. Exactly. (laughs) And you can go, oh, here it comes. And, and, (laughs) And I just remember thinking, how the hell do I get out of this? I see it. And you know, like when you're in that phase, it's never an option to do something. (laughs) it's always like, how can I get out of it without actually doing what I kind of know I need to do? (laughs) Right. What's the easiest way to do this without doing the hard thing that I need to do? (laughs) 
How yeah. can I do I... it without doing it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and we, just, we just enter that loop. And, and I think that's a really, it's scary and it's dangerous place because a lot of times it can end up making us give up on. Oh yeah. And it can be anywhere. paralyzing. It can be overwhelming. That was a big one for me is I would get overwhelmed. And that, and that's something that I realized was a big factor in my life is when I would get overwhelmed, um, you know, bad things would always happen. And that's, that's another reason why I need to have my alone time is that helps me overcome when I'm overwhelmed and when I'm doing stuff, I I've got to have my downtime where, Oh, I, you know, I, I just, I can't be on all the time. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention and then I want you to share with you uh oh, the book. From, from your book yeah um we were when you were talking about struggling to receive help because I think many people and I I was in 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 that bunch I'm slowly getting out of there yeah um it made me think of if we struggle to receive help in some ways I think when it comes to relationship with ourselves we probably don't really want to help ourselves or we're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we kind of are not in a place where we actually want to help ourselves. And that's where we kind of push help away rather than be able to receive it. We might be giving everybody help, but when it comes to receiving help, because we might, we might believe we don't deserve it or we just don't want to, or it might feel uncomfortable to receive that help um, or help ourselves. That in itself is like, some of it might be also ego beating. I was going to say, and let me touch on that because that's, that's exactly what came up for me because I would think when I wouldn't reach out for help, um, I, I did go to therapy. I, I was good about going to therapy, but to reach out to other people for help would mean that they would have to know my story. And there was way too much shame there to open up that door. And there's no way I'm going to let people know that. So I can't ask yeah. for help because then you're, they're not going to know how to seen. help me less than right oh totally and 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 remember i i also had the mindset that everything ended up being my fault so somehow you know and and you know what <laughs> there was a lot of things it was my fault i just couldn't <laughs> face it that's true there was a lot of things from my actions inactions behavior you know that it was my fault and i couldn't face that but i certainly couldn't share the whole story or even part of the story because that's vulnerable. Yeah. And then you have to admit that you're not in charge of everything or you're not oh, I perfect. Was not in that place. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no. And I think that vulnerability itself, it's it's one of the things where, and I, I remember I shared it in my podcast once where when you're vulnerable with somebody, a lot of times it has less to do with the other person than your belief to oh, yeah. be able to handle whatever response will come back. Yeah, true. Because the more you have that sense of you being able to handle it, which again, it comes through practice. You have enough experiences where you're vulnerable and somebody, you're pretty much like with vulnerability, you just give somebody a knife and you're like, okay, do with it what you wish. Yeah, you know? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Mm -hmm. And you have enough of those experiences where somebody is hurting you in their response where, again, you survive those. 
which it can be a challenge because sometimes we use those experiences to close ourselves off from mm-hmm. ever being vulnerable. Um, oh yeah. Which shut me down I, a lot. Yeah, same. I have gone mm-hmm. through that as well. Um, but then when to start to share more and more, um, especially initially, if you get lucky enough to get those like right people to share with, you start to slowly also trust yourself in your ability to deal with that response that might be coming back to you. Um, and that's, I think being vulnerable, it's one of the, it's a really strong sign of having really good relationship with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as Brene Brown says, you know, the, the antidote to shame is vulnerability. Right. Yeah. And even like with shame, um, actually I, I might be able to find it. She was, she was talking like the idea was that none of us wants to share anything about the shame or, or like it's in our heads, but actually once you share, that's when it loses its power. Absolutely. Whenever you share, I've talked about that so many times and that is so true. And I witnessed that in the workshop that when you say that thing out loud, it absolutely loses its power. It is not the same thing that was rap- rolling and rattling around in your head, beating you up. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you just say it, in like, sharing, wow. not even, yeah. not even response, but just in the sharing Correct. itself. It Okay. So she's, um, page 53. Anybody who has the book, <laughs> I'm going to be um, reading that book next. She's, she's talking about like shame resilience, which is like such Ooh, a good, yeah. such a good uh, name. So she said about the shame that there's like three things we need to know about the shame. First one, we all have it. Shame is universal and one of the most primitive uh, human emotions that we experience. The only people who don't experience shame lack the capacity for empathy and human connection. Second, we all, we're all afraid to talk about shame. Third... Yeah. The less we talk about shame, the more control it has over our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> you disempower shame by speaking it out. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And it's in, you know, especially in the, unfortunately, in the abuse arena, whether it's childhood or domestic violence abuse, um, shame is just a, a thread a that lot. goes through really, all of really, really it. It really, really is. You know, when I did the workshop, it was interesting because there were some of the women that went through that workshop that had never shared their story. There was one woman, she was, I believe, 75 years old. She didn't even share it with her husband of 50 plus years. That's how deep that shame went. And, and that's I'll how tell strong you, it is. Right. And she had 75 years of blocking that stuff in her head. And when she finally shared it, um, her entire life changed. Her granddaughter came up to us and thanked us because her grandparents' marriage the, the last year had been the best it had ever been. And, you know, and in the small group, the first night we would share, everybody would share a story and there's always shame with it, right? Always. And you could see as each woman told her story, you could see the connection with the women. You could see the healing begin. You could see where that didn't have the power over them that it did, you know, before they told the story. And I think you might even see how they physically changed. They literally become absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I'm an, I'm an example of that. I have physically changed in my healing. I have physically changed and it's not, it's not, um, like I consciously did that. Mm -hmm. It's just part of it is, as you start taking care of yourself or you have, you know, a relationship with yourself, you do start taking better care of yourself. So there is that factor, but there's definitely something to say about people. When that stuff comes out of you, 
you do have a different look. You literally Maybe it's your energy. I have heard that you literally look much younger because I think you that those emotions that you have been like carrying with yourself that they just keep like putting you down. You right. let them go and you're like, you become so light. One of the biggest changes I've seen in some people is some people that, especially if they've got depression, I think you've seen it where they tend to get like real dark around their eyes, not just dark circles, but yeah. like their eyes, it looks dark. And I've seen when they've gone through their healing, that goes away. Body keeps I've scoring. literally witnessed where that darkness goes away. It's, it's mm. crazy. So there is something, there's absolutely a link between that just shows your mental health with your physical health. They absolutely are connected. Yeah. And it's not just in your mind. It's actually your whole body and it, your whole, it's all connected. Yeah. And, and healing happens at like a lot of times I think we want to, which I think is a big part of the healing. We want to heal at like logic, mind level, right. not emotion level. Because that's right. the, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I for, rather years, <laughs> for years, we thought that's how you healed is just, let's just deal yeah. with the mind and not realizing that, you know, this trauma has been stored in our bodies and we need to physically get it out, you know, and it's had a physical toll on us. So, yeah. And for years, they, that's what they taught. Yeah. And so now share, but it is uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if we're used to suppress certain emotions and now we're like, okay, the only way how you can kind of let them go is through experiencing them. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I used to, I used to really hold in the tears because I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to stop him if I got him going. So I would, I, I, I fought really hard to let him out or not let him out. And yeah. then. It, that was painful because I, I just remember like it would just hurt my throat really bad not to cry. <laughs> yeah. And that's just because I wasn't expressing the emotion that I was feeling at the moment, but there was pain when I showed my emotions when I was a little girl. And so I had to work through that of knowing that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to express yeah. it. You just have to be careful how you express it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it also depends who you express it in front of in sense of you expressing those emotions. They might now think or look at it from their own perspective of maybe they think that it's not acceptable because they might struggle to do it themselves. So they might react a certain way. Not just Yeah, there's people that are I, uncomfortable with others' emotions. And so, you know, you got to make sure yeah. you're in a safe even place like, or a place that you can manage it. Even like crying crying is a good example because when somebody's crying somebody's like and I don't like it when people do that to me if I cry where they try to comfort me and I'm like I'm currently in a place where I'm like I'm just letting emotions out like yeah <laughs> you don't I, need to I, feel you don't need to feel like it's not your responsibility me. to make me feel better and a lot of times when people try to like comfort me it, initially it would make me feel sadder because now I it's like kind of feeding that victim yeah, that's true. Oh, I that's am true. the victim. See, like you're now coming to comfort me. So I must yeah. be the victim. Here. Oh yeah, this really is bad. I, I mean, I knew it was bad. But I, wow, I really it didn't really like bad. it. <laughs> I didn't really like it because I, that's literally why I didn't like to even like crowd people around me because I feel like naturally they want to comfort me. But I'm like, I would feel like through them doing that, they make me feel even worse about me. That it's actually true. Especially when you cry, you have all these like stories in your mind. Oh yeah. Um. And then I got to a point where I'm like, even if something triggers me, I am so aware that 
and it's it's so weird because I might do that with other people as well, where if, when I cry, people now think that what they said now I it like I'm now this like huge victim or like oh you oh. must feel terrible and I'm literally just crying here being like just trying to analyze okay what what happened what what triggered it like <laughs> yeah I still let it tears? come out right um I just let it out but I don't I'm currently at the place where I don't have to I don't make it mean anything. Like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just like, I know that whatever you just said, it triggered me to have some kind of emotion come out. And I'm trying to understand where is that trigger coming from mm-hmm. while I'm like going through those those emotions. Because then once I start to understand, because I'm, when I'm in those emotions, it's a bit easier to connect with something in the past. Because you, you kind oh, of- Oh, true. You create memories through emotions. You don't remember what you had like a week ago, unless it was your birthday. Because right. there's emotions attached. That's how we build- memories emotions strong emotion you will remember it um and that's why when i'm crying now if somebody or something triggers me i'm now like trying to kind of travel back in time and identify which emotion is it that i'm feeling right now um but from the other person's perspective they're like oh like i didn't mean to hurt you and i'm like you're fine like let me do do my thing give me a minute just give me a minute (laughs) like it has nothing to do with you like thank you actually but let me (laughs) let me do my thing um but yeah and before i didn't have it and but now i look at those experiences as like that that's place where i can get some information from right right or some kind of closure about something right there's something there's some message for you there's something for you to look at work through or whatever deal with or it's just a random emotion to get out that's it (laughs) or there's that too (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm feeling sad today for whatever reason and i just want to cry and a lot of times if we sit in that like sad emotion and we don't let ourselves to express it like for me now, it's like, I can be sad. I literally going to cry a bit and I'm like, okay, I- I'm, I'm moving on with my day. I'm good. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't consume you. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird how release. much less time it takes now because before I would have this story and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then another story comes up that is like kind of feeding that story. And I'm like, oh my yep. gosh. And I start to listen to it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so this, I'm so that now and it makes me cry even more and then i'm just now like in this like cycle oh it's it's terrible <laughs> like it's it's an awful place and trying to get yourself out of that and get yourself it it, it takes a lot to i mean get sometimes out of that. when you get that awareness you might even end up laughing about it <laughs> you're being like come on what am i doing here <laughs> you know um but usually and i read this in in um uh, in a book years ago that for any mo- emotion that you feel it literally takes 90 seconds for it like fully just go through you and be out and it's gone. But oh, that's good do, information. We don't like those 90 seconds to happen because it doesn't feel good. So it do and we try oh. to try to catch it, suppress it and or we attach to it and now make it feel or like attach other emotions to it. And now it becomes like more than 90 seconds instead of just I like, mean, that is such a powerful tool to understand that. I mean, how empowering is that? Look, I've got this emotion coming. It's probably gonna last 90 seconds. Yeah, give me 90 let seconds. Me, <laughs> let, give me 90 seconds. Let me let me let it out and then I'll be good. I mean, I love that. That's empowering, really. Yeah, especially if you it, yeah. especially coming from the mindset of, oh God, I can't start crying because then I'll never stop. Oh yeah. Yeah. But most emotions, like there might be some emotions that once they start to come out, they kind of catch others. Um 
Hey, and in your healing process, you're going to have that. You're going to have those, you are going to have those times where you're going to cry really hard. You're going to have those times where your emotions are going to be really intense and you, you're going to work through them. Absolutely. Um, because they're literally years of suppression. Oh yeah. And when you have not been allowed to have a voice, um, yeah, it's really empowering. Yeah. So share from your book. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know if this will be in the podcast, but I, I'm, this book is so incredible. Have you seen it? The inner work? I don't think so. Holy cow. Is it good? I got so many things marked in this and I'm going to read it again. Um, but, and I thought this was really cool and you're probably going to go, oh yeah, I already knew that. Um, I mean, a lot of things, that's a challenge. Anybody who is a uh, really have done a lot of self-development, a lot of self-work, Anytime you catch yourself saying, and this is coming from experience and some of my mentors pointing it out to me, um, (laughs) many times when you think that I already know that, stop, because you might know it, but are you living it? And there's there's always more for you to learn. There's always something for you to learn. And so even like the same thing phrased differently might click more than something else that is exactly the same thought but it's phrased mm-hmm. a bit differently so yeah um share now i'm really it. curious <laughs> i know let me find it real quick Irony. um what was it about it, um it's really um shoot there is a title hang on being the world and attached to the world i read so much of it this morning uh i'm probably not gonna be able to find it quick enough <clears throat> shoot um oh paid this is it Okay. Paying attention to the station. That's what the chapter is called. Okay. Paying attention to the station. And they're talking about when these thoughts come into your mind, um, what station is your mind at when this thoughts coming in? Cause whatever station your mind is at, like, let's say you're in a good place, right? You're in a really good place. You're having a good day or my, you know, it's an easy day. And this negative thought comes into your mind. You're in a better place because you're on the, you're on a good station or you're in a healthy station or a happy station Mm -hmm. to manage that thought coming in. But if you're in a station where, you know, it's negative, you know, you woke up tired, you don't feel good. You're just not in a good place. And that negative thoughts come in, you're going to meditate on that baby. There's a good chance that you're going to end up meditating on it. So what they're saying is pay attention to the station you're on. So, and of course this, goes back to having self-awareness because you're not gonna be able to do it without it. But it's like when, when you recognize that thought coming in your head and you recognize that you're not the, the powerful thing is you can, you can recognize what station you're on hmm. and you can change it. You don't have to meditate on that thought. It's, it's, it sounds very simple and it is, but it's not easy. And you, you know, you have the power and, and I, I, you know, I already knew this, but I just love how they, they put it such a simple example of, you know, what are you thinking? Where are you at today? You know, you can wake up a lot of different ways or something could happen. You get a phone call or you can have a disagreement with your partner, your loved one, and it can send you onto a different station, right? Cause all yeah. of a sudden now you're irritated, you're mad or whatever. So now you're in that station. So any thoughts coming at you. And usually when you're in that negative station, what thoughts are going to start coming at you? And that's the ones that you're going to you're going to be drawn towards because you're in that station. So that's what you're going to listen to. So you need to change that station. How do you change it? 
it's an awareness. You have to stop those thoughts. And, and, and I've actually done this in my life. I actually did this and I've given this. I'm really curious. To, to so, hear this. um, so the, the thing that I did, and this is when Larry got sick last year and he, you know, we had that health crisis <clears throat> and I went right into the old mode, um, of taking the worry. Cause I was in the station of worry and being fearful and concerned and all that. So I was in that station and so I went into that mindset because all, all of a sudden these thoughts started coming in my head of what could happen to him. And of course, it took me to the very end of it, right? It took me to the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been in that place in a long time. I used to live in that place. So I didn't, I didn't notice the emotions, the feelings and what was going on in my body then, but I was feeling it this time. I was full on feeling it and I did not like it. And it was, and I've said it so many times and I want to crawl out of my own skin and get away from myself. Cause it was, it was more than uncomfortable. It was, it was torture. And I felt my mind going in that cycle of just those thoughts going over and over and over. And as it did, my anxiety, my panic, everything rose. And I realized at a moment, and it, it was literally in the evening and uh, it was the night my husband went in for surgery and I couldn't be there. I had to be home for reasons. <clears throat> and I was just a mess. And I knew I couldn't do this. It was, it was physically taking a toll. And I knew I had to be strong for my husband and for myself. And so I literally stopped myself. And the first thing I did is I went and I did a long meditation. That was the first thing I did. And, um, when, and that definitely calmed me down, but then the thoughts started coming back in when the meditation was over. And I decided, no, 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 no. I'm done. I am not sitting here thinking about these thoughts. They are torturing me. And so what I did instead is I switched gears and I said, what do I want this to look like? How do I want this outcome to come, come out? And that is what I, I literally created in my head, the outcome that I wanted it, wanted to happen. And it happened. I'm not saying I had control over that. Right. Yeah. Fortunately it did. Um, but at that moment, that is what got me to calm down and got me out of that cycle because it was absolutely torture. And it was, it was literally physically having a toll on me severely. And so I got myself out of it. Now I'm not saying that I was hundred percent calm, but it, it brought my level way down to where I could manage it. And I, and I could recognize when those thoughts started coming in again and I could shut them down. It was a lot of work and it was exhausting, but I was able to do it because it was a really intense situation. So there's a lot of factors involved, but you can do that. You, you have to catch those thoughts. You have to catch them though. And, um, that is the biggest thing is starting to catch. And for me, it had been so automatic for me to constantly go to the negative that it, it took me a while to get myself out of that. It was definitely a process. Okay. Um, because the reason I ask is for somebody to be able to shift that station or turn it to, to another station. Um, sometimes you might not be able to do that um, or might we might not be in a place where we even know how to do that. One of the things that you said, which can be super helpful, is to ask yourself the right questions. So what you did is you asked yourself the right questions to help to, to turn that station. But what we can do is, one, catch that that station is on, mm -hmm and don't listen to it let it play in the background because it's gonna play anyways it's gonna it's play gonna... anyway you, you can't stop the thoughts from coming in but you can certainly control what happens when the, when you recognize them 
Yeah. And they can play, but you don't have to listen. It's like right. you have radio in the background. It's kind of playing there, but you're not really listening. It's just like a right. white noise in the background. And it's one of the ways how you can look at those, like that negative station in case if you might not know in that moment how to turn it to something else. Because awareness itself, it will help a lot. Because now you don't have to identify with them as like, these are my thoughts. It's just something that's playing in the background. Right. You become empowered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is pretty interesting conversation. And it's probably is. not the last time we touch on <laughs> oh, no. relationship with self. No, no, it's it, no, this has been really, really good. It's um anything you want to add to finish off? What do I want to add? I would encourage anybody to answer those three questions. Say do it I again. trust myself? Say it again. Do I trust uh let me find him. Let, let's be super precise. One was, do I trust myself? Do I respect myself? And do I show care and, and kindness to myself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I kind and affectionate to my, towards mm-hmm. myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just sitting and answering those questions. And the thing I want to say, you know, to the audience is you should be, you deserve to treat yourself better, no matter what anybody else says. Yeah. You might and not order- like to hear this. <laughs> right. But, but it's true. And the thing is, if you want to have good relationships in your life, you have to have a good relationship with yourself and it's, it's, it evolves and you're, and you're going to make mistakes, but give yourself a lot of grace and be, I have said this to so many of my friends, be your own best friend. And that means, you know, would you treat your best friend the way you treat yourself? There's your big question. Yeah. And I can and- tell you for sure how I treated myself is not how I wanted to treat others. For a while yeah. I did. <laughs> For a while I did. Yeah. And self-love isn't something that you have or you don't have. It's something that you practice. Oh, that's perfect. That was perfect. That, that is so true. That's, I think that's purely Brene Brown. She was talking it's practice. a lot about it. It's yeah. not something that you, well, it's not something it doesn't that come you naturally. also show. Um, because you can, you or tell, you can tell about it, but are you practicing it? And are you practicing it daily? It's and, and it doesn't have to be daily, all day, every day, but do something each day to practice self-love. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be something huge or anything like that. Just it's like- whatever's important to you. Yeah. It's whatever, you know, it's- Or like even like pot- what you feel comfortable with initially, because initially it mm. can be uncomfortable to do. Start with something that you're, that's a good point. Start with something that you are comfortable with, that you're okay with. Start there. Yeah. I it could like be maybe is... going, taking a nap, uh, you know. And you know what you, any listener, what you can do is reach out to us or email Lisa. You can tell um, address where they can email you of what is one thing that they will do to practice self-love. Oh, there you go. So my email address is Lisa at healing and growing hand in hand podcast.com. So yes, absolutely. Accountability. Exactly. And, and that's how we start to take this out of our mind and into real life, which is the key. And I also want to encourage listeners, if you have a question or you need some clarity, you're welcome to email me. Absolutely. Yeah. Email reach pretty much like, I'm pretty sure they can find you anywhere online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a lot yeah. of places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my website, you know, one place is healing and growing hand in hand podcast.com. 
yeah um all right i feel like this has been pretty pretty good and very very powerful yeah and if you're listening at this please go and take action one yes just one thing just start with one one thing thing. don't get overwhelmed start with one thing whatever pops into your mind do it just one thing exactly Mm -hmm. all right see you next time (laughs) Uh for another great conversation (laughs) 